Welcome to another episode of Bridging the Gap, where issues of the day meets a biblical perspective. My name is Ryan. I am your host. And on this episode, we're going to be discussing Christianity and politics. That's right. Uh, church and state. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, no, Christianity and politics. So there's a lot going on in terms of the political climate of our country and uh, things are getting crazy and i for one feel like anytime around uh when 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 elections are around the corner you know things tend to intensify a little bit between the left and the right and everybody in between Uh, but i feel like this year in particular like there's just a little bit more hysteria than normal (laughs) uh it could just be me (laughs) but um, people are all over the place. People were very divided, but <clears throat> more specifically in the church. I mean, there's subgroups within the Protestant faith, okay, and and that's and that's the case because there's a lot of uh, different viewpoints biblically. That's why you have different denominations and such. Um, so I'm not surprised that when it comes to social issues, that we see some differences to the point where it's almost toxic and divisive. Uh, at least that's what I've been seeing, um, and I wish to address that, amongst other things. So, without further ado, um, I do have a guest on. You guys haven't heard from him before, but you're going to be glad you did when it's all said and done. This is uh, my brother in the faith, Ricky J. He is a pastor. He is a father. He is a husband. Uh, awesome man of God. You know, I look up to him, and you know, he's been a blessing in my life and so many others. So I definitely want to welcome him on. Ricky J, say what's up to the people. <laughs> what's up, people? I, I don't know if everybody's going to be glad to hear what I have to say, but uh, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's TBD, right? TBD in this season. Yeah. Um, but I do want to say, man, it's a pleasure to have, have um, to be on here with you and to see, I mean, I'm, you know, everybody, your audience can't, they can't see you, but I see, I see your cut is looking real clean right now. <laughs> you got the, the, the beard, you know, we're beer gang right now, so I see you looking like a young Kyrie Irving, okay. <laughs> but, um, you on Instagram. Uh, man, so yeah, no, you know, I, um, but I, I aspire to be a better pastor. I aspire to be a, um, a far better husband and to be a far better father um so you know I, i'm glad that you spoke of me in such illustrious terms but um you know I, i'm anchored as i mentioned to you before off air like i'm anchored in the reality of my own imperfection and so uh that keeps me in in a humble place so yeah oh, God. um and which is another thing that i appreciate about you <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> so amen to that well before we, because I know I have a series of questions that I kind of want to deal with and um, I'm going to ask you about and you're going to give me your perspective. Um, but just what's your general sense, like what's your perspective on like the political climate right now? Uh, more specific, well, you could talk about how the world, how the world is doing, but you could also speak to like the church if you, if you feel the need to. Oh, but you know, it's, as you mentioned it before, you characterized it. Uh, the sense of hysteria and I, I think it's true um it's crazy how I mean I, I and I'll say like this I don't particularly support either one of the of our um oh but it, it's uh I'm back now it's okay to disagree but I, I find that the way that we've been disagreeing within society 
it's uh it's carnal you know and um and with that you know i connected to the church there's so much carnality in terms of how we're dealing with this political climate that people in the church are acting just like people in the world mm-hmm. and when you don't see a difference between the people in the church and the people of the world that's a problem yeah. and so we have to within this political climate we have to figure out how to navigate it. and um and a lot of people haven't been navigating it well yeah yeah agreed there um so let's let's dive into it one thing i want to deal with and uh the first question rather is do you see any party any particular party that resembles the christian worldview and how should the christian vote pertaining to policies and people in office that's a good that's a good question well what i'll say in response to that too is when I was younger, I, you know, black, I thought I was a Democrat because I was yeah. like, you know, all black people are Democrats, right? Right, right. I was 18 years old. I didn't know anything. So I was like, for sure, I'm a Democrat. Automatic, you know? And then, um, and then as I began to learn more, become more anchored in my faith, um, really in my early 20s, then I began to gravitate toward more Republican ideals. And, um, and I felt that Republicans better reflected the values and ideals that I that I stood for as a person. And I think to this day, I think um, when we think of traditional Republican values, just traditional conservative values, not hyper-conservative, not ultra-conservative, mm-hmm. not super right-wing, and not even to some extent evangelical Christian values, because I think that evangelical Christianity can be extremely myopic in terms of the way we apply biblical truth to um the political forum but as i got older i felt that um you know what especially now i'll say that i'm finding that um republicans and even evangelical christians that we are in the way that we're presenting christ to society that we've we've started to do a disservice to the name of christ by the people that we've aligned ourselves with we're looking for power um we we want our political and religious positions to be reinforced which is not a terrible thing in and of itself but I think it's kind of thrown off our understanding of what we have to prioritize within the church and I think that that's that has detrimentally impacted the church's voice the church's uh, message and the church's opportunity to share the gospel we're looking for comfort and I'll read a scripture too uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 Verse one, where it says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. So, you know, the ultimate goal of our prayers, like we want to live in peace. We want to live quiet lives in godliness and holiness. But consider the cultural context of that passage in first timothy and when we think about the first century church and the amount of persecution that they face mm-hmm. I, I i would say the church in america is nowhere near um facing the amount of persecution that the first century church faced and um yet and still i think we're trying to gain more ground i don't want to go too deep into um because I feel like we could we could discuss that more later with some of the other questions and even closer to the end. Yeah. But um, I, I feel like I believe in Republican values, traditional conservative Republican values to some extent. And there are some 
democratic values that I believe in also. And another scripture uh, that I really like, I'm gonna, let me read that for you. That's actually in the book of James. One of my, uh, one of my favorite passages. Uh, I, I feel like when I, when I found this passage, first of all, when I found this passage, um, that there, there was this like really big video that came out like uh, maybe 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was like, why I hate religion, but I love Jesus. Oh, I mean, yeah. And then we even had, I don't remember, we had a Bible study discussion kind of about that and mm-hmm. that ideal. And um, I understood the premise of the video, you know, but I, I think it's really important to clarify, like we, we are part of a religion. We have rituals that we do, like that were given to us. We have sacraments like baptism. Mm-hmm. Um, we have communion, right? Prayer, um, coming together and fellowship, like all these things are sacraments that we're called to do. These are rituals. These are parts of our religious experience. So yeah, this is Christianity is religion. Mm-hmm. I don't buy into the, uh, you know, the, 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 the saying, this is about uh, relationship and not religion. I, it is about religion, but it's true religion. It's not dead religion. It's religion that leads us into a right relationship with God. And I'm like, why would we, I think that, I think this concept really kind of epitomizes the, my, the myopia the stomach of the American church where we gravitate towards sayings and things like that because they're big and bold like yeah I hate yes I hate religion too well, <laughs> you're a part of religion just keep it like you don't have to you don't have to lie you know it's not a religion no you do religious things come on just be real about it but just understand that the world is filled with dead religion but we have a religion that is a living faith and this is the scripture James chapter 1 verse 27 it actually reads religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And so when I'm looking at there, you see very clearly the word, there's a word religion. And even in the verse prior, it says those who consider themselves religious and yet don't keep a tight rein on their tongues, they deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. So there is religion that is worthless and there is religion that is priceless and we follow a religion a set of teachings a doctrine that is priceless that that is amazing that's incredible and here in the text there is religion that god accepts as pure and faultless now what we have to get to is what we have to get to in verse 27 um religion that god our father accepts as pure and faultless is this look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world so there in the text is a um kind of the, the the duality if you will of our faith in that um on the one hand we need to be concerned with the plight of widows and orphans that is collectively the, all those who are disadvantaged in society those who are typically oppressed and abused and manipulated and then we also need to make sure we keep ourselves pure mm-hmm. um so you know so we keep ourselves pure and undefined from being polluted by the world so that i feel like if we're looking at this and measuring the political landscape against James chapter one, verse 27, what we see is uh, the Republicans are very much concerned with what traditional marriage they're concerned with, um, what gay marriage they're concerned with uh, sexuality, transgenderism, all these different things that are, you know, pervading our society. And the Republicans seem like the party that is championing Christian values because of that. But here's the issue. That's only one half of the duality of our faith. The other part of our faith is looking out for and looking after the disadvantaged. And um, Republicans, I don't think, have always been 
known for looking out for the poor and disadvantaged. I actually have a friend online who is just like, you know, super right wing Christian. He, he blasted me on Facebook uh, last week um, and said, <laughs> really said, uh, you should be, uh, I don't know if he said you should be ashamed of yourself, but he was like, you know, I don't know how you call yourself a pastor. No, uh, like, well, that piece, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, because, and, and it, here was the thing. Like, I wasn't even being anti-Trump. I wasn't being pro-Biden. I just was making observations. And one, and he was disagreeing with something that I said. And one of the things that I said was wrong, but it was unintentionally wrong, you know? Um, so I corrected it, and still he, would, he wouldn't apologize. He just kept calling me a liar, but... <laughs> the, the issue was that he so he was so myopic on his side that he could, you know, understand that man. You know what? Ricky's just trying to give a balanced perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, I I, I just I, I'm seeing one thing, and hey, all he had to do was come on here and say, you know what? No, bro, this is. And I told him, I was like, you could have easily gave me an easy, simple correction, but then you blasted me online. You put me on, like you put my whole my whole thing online, put my name on there. You tag me in it, and like I don't even really know you like that, bro. <laughs> you tag, like I've even never met this dude in my life. But you text, you tag me, you tag me in there, and you challenge my calling because something that I said was wrong, but I wasn't I wasn't being deceptive. I was just wrong. Cool relationship, able to, to, to clear everything up and to have good discussions, as I think is important. Uh, to reflect in the, uh, within the Christian community as we talk about politics, but that's one of the things he, he's so far on the right. That's different for me because I, I find that the far right really kind of ignores issues that the left cares about, and that is looking out for the disadvantaged, talking about systemic injustice in society. I don't know uh, any right wing Christians that really champion the, everybody that I know that's right wing. Is you know they want to say. You know, racism only exists because people keep talking about it. Racism is not the boogeyman, Ryan. <laughs> you can't just like, you can't just act like he's not there and he won't appear. It's not Candyman and then be like, the only way he's coming, the only way racism is coming to life is if you look in the mirror and you say racism three times. And racism, <laughs> racism is here because it's in the media and the fake news and all that. No, racism has been here. It's embedded into the fabric of American society. And that's not a bad thing to talk about, you know? It's, you can still talk about that reality and love each other. It's okay to do that. We can talk about issues and still love each other. Paul opposed Peter because Peter was showing favoritism to people who never came down from Jerusalem and he was ignoring and mistreating uh, his Gentile brothers in, in, the, in the faith. Paul opposed him. It's okay. We see it in scripture. It's okay to disagree. We don't all have to feel the same way. So, I mean, until the long way around to the answer is, you know, I, I feel like both parties have concern, genuine concern for different things. And on the one hand, one party has genuine concern for um, being pure and faultless and that purity that we care about and that is the Republican Party. I respect them for that, highly respect them for that. But then you have people on the Democratic side who care about the disadvantage, who care about seeing equity in society. Equity and, and inclusion are not in and of themselves bad you know, you have a lot of Christians who talk about critical race theory and they're just like, yeah. oh, this is the reason why. Oh, critical race theory is so wicked. That's why we have racism in society because people keep talking <laughs> about, no, man, you just bad. You can't, and I think, you know, now let me say this because I'm sure you probably have a diverse audience. That's why I said, look, people, you think I'm all like whatever. I love everybody. I'm from Vallejo, California. You know, growing up, my best friend was white. Um, I had white friends. <laughs> hey, 
I have white friends now, Ryan. Like, <laughs> can you even say that? You know, because if it's like, if it was a black person, but I, if it was a white person, but I have black friends. You'd be like, right. come on, man, you can't bring that up. <laughs> well, whatever, I got white friends, okay? You can have black friends, and I got white friends, it's cool. But, you know, and I, I love everybody. I love everybody of every color. I think that the diversity of our nation, the diversity of Vallejo, California, really speaks to the diversity of what we're going to see in heaven. I love diversity. I love people of every color. I love white folks. But let me tell you like this. I think today, white people are extra sensitive. And not all white people. Some people are Some people are cool. I, I think that some of them are extra sensitive, though. And um, the reality is, is that when I think of, you know, because even, even my friend said this online, he was like, you know, how, how long do I have to pay for my ancestors' sins? A flavor. Yeah. And I was like, and then I, I said, okay, in kind, let me flip that around to you. How long do my people have to pay for your ancestors' sins of slavery? Neither, neither option is fair. But the only way we can work through it is through, you know, genuine discussion and love, mutual respect. You know, I can say that American society has holes in it that need to be fixed because I want America to be better. I want America to be great. Um, do I want America to be great again? Man, you know what? <laughs> when when was America like America is awesome don't get me wrong but if we're considering it like that like when was America the greatest if we're gonna make it great again like was America the greatest during slavery was it the greatest during Jim Crow was it the greatest during the civil rights era uh, was it the greatest after that when uh, you know more black people black men were in prison uh, was it great during the time where 60% of young black men between the ages of 18 and 25 were either dead or in jail. Like, is that when it was great? It wasn't great for everybody. I think that's the issue yeah. um, that needs to be addressed. And it's not, it's not, white people, it's not your fault. Let me say it like that, it's not your fault, okay? <laughs> it really isn't. However, um, because you are in a privileged position. I refuse to call it a, a, a white blessing. You are in a privileged <laughs> a position. I refuse. I will never do it. And I love you. I'm not mad. I'm not mad at anybody who used it. But I refuse to do that. I refuse to call it a white blessing. It, it's okay to call it privilege. Hey, I have, what I've found in my life, being a pastor's kid, I got pastor's kid privilege. That's cool. You know, my dad worked in the school district for a long time. I knew a lot of people. And when I went to get a job, I had, you know, um, Vallejo School District privilege. That, hey, it's okay. <laughs> it's cool. Like, whatever. It's whatever. And if it's, it's white privilege, if you get privileged because you're white, hey, I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. I think, and I'm going to say this, I think that each and every person in life, everybody receives like a certain level of opportunity. And it's our responsibility to manage that level of opportunity to the best of our ability. So if, if, if when we're thinking of it in parable, it's telling, hey, let's just say, let's, let's just use the framework, you know, Let's say white people over here, you got five talents. You know, I'm over here, I got two talents. But I'm going to rock these two talents to the best that I got. And I'm going to utilize all that and take advantage of all of that. You know, everybody's going to be responsible for the amount of privilege or opportunity they have. That's it. You know, and so I, 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 white people, you're not on the hook for me. I'm just saying you could help out a little bit more. You know, you could, <laughs> hey, you know, like it's not your fault, but if you want to really see change, just say, man, America made some, some bad mistakes in the past. And those bad mistakes 
have really impacted the lives of an entire generation of people. And, but you, but many people refuse. And so the reason why, man, this is the first question too, my bad, bro. But look, the <laughs> reason why, like, the reason why, or one of the big reasons why too, I would say that Republicans, you know, don't have this whole, you know, this like step hold on everything in terms of being the party for Christians um, is that when you consider American culture, American culture from, you know, from the, from the moment that they brought the first black man to this country, American culture um, brought in an entire population of people, not to mention the Native American populations that they, that they decimated, that they decimated, not to mention them. But when you bring in the African-Americans or you bring in the Africans and you force them to work for you, you don't give them any money, you, you force them, you prevent them from being able to read, you make it illegal for anyone to teach them to read, you, 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 you give them freedom and say, hey, go well on your way. I got, I got a friend who mentioned, he was like, you know, the Republican Party was a party who freed the slaves. Lincoln wouldn't have freed the slaves out of uh, some virtue. It wasn't virtue that caused him to free the slaves. This is a sovereign and providential act of God to position America in that place where the only thing Lincoln could think to do to preserve the union was to end slavery. And he said in, in different talks, he would say, if I could preserve the union without dismantling the system of slavery, I would do that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm not mad at him. That's hey, that was that was the situation he was in as a leader. I understand, you, you know, it's difficult to please everybody. But I thank God. I thank Jesus Christ for giving us liberty and freedom. And uh, but the reality is, is that you can't just let people go and then say, fend for yourselves, fend for yourselves. Oh, you can't catch up. You can't catch up after 150 years. Well, that's too bad because we didn't do anything. That mind feel like that. It's been perpetuated throughout history, too. Like it's been passed down through the generations. Like racism isn't something that you're born with. I mean, we're all born into sin, yes, from a general standpoint, but racism, the sin of racism in particular, like, that's a learned behavior for sure. And you think about how, like, the civil rights movement was not that long ago. Like, people who were around back then are still alive today. (laughs) You know what I mean? So we're not that far removed. That's an incredible point, yes. Yeah, but anyways, you were saying... No, no, you were you were spot on. We're not that far away from the civil rights movement. You're talking about making America great again. Like, I believe that America can be great. I think America is an awesome place. But I think, kind of like you know, thinking back to what Paul said, he said, you know, those things which are behind, I forget about them, and I press forward, I press ahead toward the mark, toward the high calling of God, for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So it's like, you know what? Hey, maybe America was great in some people's eyes Mm -hmm. but I believe America can be great in our future in Mm -hmm. the near future but there's a lot that we need to do and you know Republicans don't have that stranglehold because they won't you know they they, it's almost like any right wing person that I talk to they can't admit the impact of slavery uh, and, and, and the systems that are still you know kind of perpetuating that decimation of the black community and you can talk about abortion if you want to which you know i am anti-abortion i'm pro-life um i believe that there are some circumstances where you know abortion may be necessary for different things but that's an entirely different discussion but for the most part (laughs) yeah another episode you got an episode 
but uh, I believe that ultimately, when you consider that black culture, like nationally, I believe because of the impact of abortion, we are actually a declining ethnic group. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's um, the, the only way America has no responsibility for that. Like we have as a community, we have a huge responsibility. Yes, it is our personal decision in, in many respects that has gotten us to get caught in this traffic cycle. But the only way you can you can say that America has no responsibility is if there is some deficit in black in, in the black man and the black woman that causes them to to fall prey to this cycle. That's you say, you know, it's it's not America's fault. Black people just need to you guys just need to get it together. Yeah. That's yeah, and that's a you see a lot of that. And that's 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 a racist ideology because it it, it doesn't allow you to take into account the real systems and things that were in place that has gotten us to where we are today. I'm, you know, you think back a couple of generations, I have people in my family that it was illegal for them to learn to read. You withhold from us wealth and opportunity and knowledge and then set us free and say, you better catch up. That's wicked. Yeah. And so when we think about like first, uh, um, uh, let's see, James chapter one, verse 27, religion that God our father accepts is first of all, pure and faultless is this, to look after widows and orphans in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Great job, Republicans. You got that almost on lock on that side of being, you know, <laughs> maintaining purity. That's awesome. I'm with you. But then you forget about the plight of the oppressed mm. and the abused. And that's wicked. When you look in the Old Testament, there's various scriptures in the Old Testament. Amos, where God chastised Israel for how they treated the poor and the oppressed and how they um, withheld from them justice in the courts and they perverted justice. Like it, he wasn't talking about them, you know. They wasn't talking about in that in that context right there. He wasn't talking about homosexual sin. He wasn't talking about gay marriage. He wasn't talking about transgender or anything. He wasn't talking about abortion. He was talking about you as a people have oppressed and manipulated and set up this system where you deprive people of justice and there's blood on your hands. America has blood on its hands. This system was set up like that, and and what I what I find is that many Republicans, not all, if you some Republicans out there, you listening, you want to chime in, cool, let me know, let me hear you, I want to hear that, I want to hear that, like champion, no, oh, yes, America was wrong, we did some terrible things, and we gotta, you know, we gotta do more to help. I want to see that, but as it is, that's not what I'm seeing. <laughs> that is not what I'm seeing, bro. I'll, I would accept that. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it together. But I'm not seeing that. Yeah, I'm not seeing it, man. Man, well, yeah, I, I appreciate all your thoughts on that. Um, you know, really uh, thought-provoking and even challenging, uh, which is something I think that a lot of stuff that we need to hear. Uh, so thank you for that. So another thing I want to touch on, second question, is there, do you believe that there's room for Christianity in politics? Um, and should, you know, I've, I've talked to different uh, individuals who are believers and, you know, some of them have said like, they don't think that Christians should get involved and that they shouldn't run for office or whatever the case. And I've talked to some who think that uh, putting a Christian in office could, you know, um, could make a huge difference. <laughs> you know, having somebody in the office who has 
a lot of character that maybe we feel some of the leaders of the past have lacked. You know what I mean? So yeah, let's, let's put a Christian in office and a lot of that will change, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, what are your thoughts as far as uh, Christianity and politics? <clears throat> well, um, I do think that we, we as, a, as a church, we, we have to really kind of consider how we go about talking about that. And it's not just a an automatic that, yeah, Christians can run for office. It's, you know, I mean, you can do anything. Right. And Paul said everything. Paul said everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. <laughs> right. And, you know, and the Bible doesn't tell us, um, it really, as far as I can think of, it doesn't tell us that we shouldn't be involved in politics. And if it's, if it's not going to, mind you, the New Testament, for the most part, <laughs> doesn't talk about politics at all. Yeah. And that's something that we'll, you know, we'll talk about, I'm sure, later in one of the other questions. But I, but personally, if you're going to ask me, I don't see any biblical reason why we shouldn't. Um, I think it will be difficult as a Christian to, it will challenge your convictions to, to have to serve various populations of people within a secular society. I think it would be extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you will have to allow some things that you don't want to have to allow. Um, you know, I, I think a Christian could get elected. I don't necessarily think it would be easy for a Christian to remain in office. Yeah. I think that's the, another issue too, because it's, when you actually get elected and it's like, Ooh, there's some things that I might have to do to maintain power that could violate my convictions. And if that's the case, then, you know, I guess I won't be in, uh, in power anymore. But I think that, you know, God can give us the grace and um, where we can curry um, people's trust and people will trust us enough to allow us to disagree mm-hmm. and to allow us to say, you know, this, this goes against my personal convictions, even though I'm called to be a public servant, this goes against my personal conviction. And though I do love you with the love of Christ, I, I can't go along with that. I think it, it's, and that would be something really hard to say and do. I think it can be done though. I thank God that I've never really for the most part had to do it there's some things that i've had to make decisions on at working and because i think working in a secular world uh can put you in very similar positions i mean you're gonna be a politician you're gonna have to make decisions that are difficult you work in a secular society you're gonna have to make decisions that are difficult every single day that's kind of just that's the nature of the beast right (laughs) you're gonna have to do it so but i i do believe biblically that there's room for Christians to be involved in politics. Should they be involved in politics from a a standpoint of actually running for office? I I think that's up to the personal conviction of each person. I'm not going to say that someone should or someone shouldn't. If God, perhaps he call you to do that, he could uh, providentially set things up for you to get in a position to do that. I I think that there's, there's no prohibition against it. And so we have the freedom to do it. But looking at the question from another perspective, should Christians be involved in politics? I think it it leads to the question of should Christians vote? Mm -hmm. I believe that Christians should vote. Do I believe that Christians have to vote? No. Uh, Whether you're black or I don't care what color you are. If you're purple, I'm not going to I'm not going to be the person to tell you in this free American society that you have to vote. And some of y'all, some of y'all are going to be mad about that, but that's. You got to be consistent. If we're going to talk about consistency, uh, our friend Noah, no worry, you talking about consistency. If we're going to talk about consistency, um, I consistently, I consistently believe that freedom is, should be available for people in America. I just, um, America is a free society. There are certain fundamental things in place 
that uh, where we have opportunities to do things mm-hmm. but it's is it illegal for me like is it a legal requirement that i vote right if it's not a legal requirement that i vote then i have the freedom to make a decision and let's say perhaps like in an election cycle like this i don't like either one of my candidates for perhaps maybe for the mayor of my town or maybe for the president of the United States and if i don't like my choices are you telling me that i have to vote between the lesser of two evils i just i just don't feel like you can make a biblical case for that and so how about you make um, a biblical case for that <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm so for real like you you telling me i got i got to pick between this devil over here and this devil that i don't know when you get in yeah. office you know political promises are political promises if you get in office you can say or do anything Right. It's just, you know, people get in office and then then they figure out now that I made it, now what do I need to do to maintain power? And I think that's part of this wicked beast that is the political system. And speaking of beasts, if we think about the book of Revelation, we think of the world systems that were um, present and symbol and symbolized in the book of Revelation. You know, these beasts, like, hey, this is these wicked things, these wicked world systems. And these world systems are not of God. God can utilize them for his purposes, but these systems in and of themselves are not like of God. I think what Christians have tried to do and are trying to do today and will try to do in the future is to create a society, not just where they can live quiet and peaceful lives. Like it's like we could live quiet and peaceful lives and people in the world still be worldly. Mm-hmm. Like that can happen. Like, hey, you know what? As Christians, we want you to leave us alone. Leave us alone. Let us practice our faith. Don't bother us. You don't bother us. We want. I mean, we gonna bother. We gonna bother you with the gospel. But if you don't bother us, you know, just leave us alone. And um, but I think that a lot of Christians are trying. A lot of Christians believe, and I mentioned this to you the other day. A lot of our, I think, our political ideology is kind of influenced by our es- our eschatology. Mm-hmm. That is what we believe about the last days. What we believe. So you know, many Christians may be of the opinion because um, you have dominionist camps that believe that Christians should be in power they should be in places of, of political influence and I think that dominionist theology has actually kind of kind of like given us as evangelical Christians these ideas that Christians should be in power and that you know the evangelicals have this strong political force and they need to wield that force in order to make America more Christian and uh I, I wrote this down. I want to read it because I feel like it's if, if I try to say it, it's not going to be as cool as as when I wrote it down. Now, <laughs> what, what what may happen is when I read it, it might not even be cool at all. But whatever, y'all, show me some grace. <laughs> so, so you know, some people believe that you know, as, as we constrain society through our political power, we're bringing forth revival, but. Uh, a revival will only penetrate the political landscape as much as the gospel is able to penetrate the landscape of the human heart. Mm-hmm. How will they hear uh, unless the gospel, unless we preach and unless we value the gospel's power over the power of our personal politics? Until then, any political change a Christian can hope for is superficial at best. Now, that doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it's not the end game. Mm-hmm. We, It's... Nowhere in the Bible are we called to transform uh, the secular society that we live in right. uh, and turn it into a Christian society. We're not called to do that. We are called to spread and preach the gospel. We are called to live holy lives. We are called to live as 
um, foreigners and strangers, symbolized by the life of symbolized by the life of Abraham. We are called to be in the world, not of the world. Uh, we are called to be a holy nation, you know, a royal priesthood that we should show forth the praises of Him who calls us out of darkness into His marvelous light. We are stuck here as pilgrims as we await our final destination. And I, I, you know, it's noble that we want to transform this society in which we live into a Christian society. That's noble, you know. Fundamentally, I'm not against that, but I, I am against, I think, the methods that we go about doing that. Because I believe that if we, if we saw the gospel, like if we push the gospel across our landscape more than we push politics, I think we would see even more change. If we push the politic with the same energy that we, uh, we push the, the gospel with the same energy we push the politic, I think we would see incredible changes in American society, and they would be changes of the heart as opposed to changes of the surface. And I think that um, that's something that we have to consider. People are trying to create the eschaton through political power. The eschaton is something that we're going to experience when God destroys the kingdoms of this world and mm -hmm. puts to end all, you know, their, all their vainglory. And he brings forth from heaven um, the rule and reign of the true king. And when he reigns on earth, that is the eschaton. That's going to be a society the society that we want and that we crave and yeah it's okay to be upset with society right now like it's it's cool because it represents our, our striving and our understanding that wow how things are now are not how they will always be mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and yeah and i like what you said the the idea that we're trying to transform and i think you had said something to me through text the other day uh, you said we're trying to transform a world through politics that god has called us to change through the gospel and so between that and something else that you said that stood out this idea of trying to create this christian nation right mm -hmm. um and well first of all let me say this i mean we don't live in a theocracy like that's not <laughs> weird right. okay yeah and, and, I, and i don't think god is trying to create a theocracy through us either because again, the new the new heaven and new earth, the new kingdom is being ushered in, but all these things have to happen. So like trying to preserve this world, yeah, it's it's like you can't preserve this world. This world is dying; it's passing away, it's fading away. You right. know, and the new and the new kingdom has to be ushered in. So um, there the definitely has to be some middle ground there. I understand what you mean by that in terms of mm -hmm. yeah, you want to draw as many people to Christ as possible, so that when the new kingdom is ushered in, they will be there. You know, right? Um, yeah. But it, and it, and then it's like like, how are we drawing people to Christ um, when we're shouting and screaming at people we disagree with? You know, how are we how are we bringing people? To you know, what did God say? He said, "With loving kindness have I drawn them. Mm -hmm. I've loved you with an everlasting love." You know, how is people? Will, how will people know that you know me? What Jesus said, He said, "They will know you by your love." Mm -hmm. It's like, how we know? How do people know we're the disciples of Christ? if we're not willing to love and more specifically contextually if we're not willing to love our brothers and sisters in Christ who we disagree with how will people know who we belong to and in this political landscape this has shown us you know that many of us are, are more wanting <laughs> in that area and, and and God has to work on us and I and I say I didn't come out the womb in this position with this with this security to be able to talk to people and disagree that's something that I had to grow to I had to mature to that. And I think that's what, what we see is that there's a lot of immaturity among Christians to where they can't they can't disagree in a peaceful way. Like it's okay to disagree. Like there's gonna be there's stuff 
that you know I don't really know what they are but I'm just, there's stuff that me and Ryan don't agree on I don't really know personally but I'm just assuming and that's not necessarily when you disagree with somebody about something but even this term disagree has like a negative connotation mm-hmm. but maybe Ryan he might see something one way in scripture and I might see something another way and if there's no clear cut um uh, there's no clear-cut hermeneutic on how to interpret that passage or how to understand it. If there's a little more kind of freedom, you know, in terms of the way that we worship and stuff, there's a lot of freedom and diversity because there's not necessarily some definitive clarity. Then we have room to disagree, and it's cool. Like you, you can do things one way, I can do things another way, and then I think I, I think that the diversity is important because that diversity enables us to reach more people. Remember what Paul said: "I've become all things, um, all things to all men, so that by you know in doing so, I can reach more people for the gospel." Like. You know, we we have to as Christians when we're able to learn to be flexible. You know, learn to 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 for God to be able to use us to reach this person and to reach that person. Like I'm, you know, I'm thankful that I'm able to talk to um, ultra right right wing Christians and I'm able to converse with them and find points of agreement. Like there's a lot of stuff we man we agree about on a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And then I say where we disagree, I'm like, but you know what? Let's let's consider this. Let's go to the other side. Flip coin. And let's see, you know, in that in that regard, I'm able to connect with people on the other side. And you know, I understand that concepts of equity and um, inclusion are important. Uh, however, I think that still there are certain standards and barriers that we have to maintain in order to protect and preserve society. You know, when you talk about preserving, the only thing I can think of when we talk about that Matthew chapter five, that concept of salt. Yeah. You know. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its saltiness, what is it good for except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot? You know, God can use his people to preserve the world as we love each other and we spread the gospel. It didn't say anything about transforming the world through politics. I find that interesting too. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Um, so let's segue to the um the last question. And <laughs> I feel like there's a lot that, that could be said about this too. So this last question, what should, particularly the Christian, just t- t- talking to believers here, what should the Christian's heart posture be when someone is elected into office that they do not support or agree with? <clears throat> um, man, regardless, I think what uh, First Timothy chapter two said pray for your leaders mm-hmm. um so we have to regardless of whether we agree or disagree we, we pray for our leaders and again consider the context um consider the context of every scripture that tells us to submit to the governing authorities that tells us to pray for those in leadership and power there it this is it, they were talking about leaders in a secular society who by and large were not christian Mm-hmm. And many of whom, like you know, historically Nero, who set fire to Rome, and then uh, what blamed the Christians, right? Took out the then, temple. You know, what'd you say? Took out the temple, I believe. Yeah, you know, so it's they. He was doing a lot, and uh, but still, he he and other um, Roman rulers were persecuting Christians. And the New Testament, the letters that were written, they said, you know. This is what I love, the beauty of the New Testament, especially when we consider the letters. The New Testament letters were written to help people who were struggling, trying to figure out how should I, how can we live this Christian life 
uh, in light of the fact that Christ is here, how do I live in the world now? Mm-hmm. And they came across issues and challenges, and there were many issues and challenges in the church. Um, and they, like, they were like, how can we do this? And I think a, a lot of times we look to the early church as this model and example, and, and I think we should look to the teachings of the early church. But man, consider like all this stuff was written because the church was messed up. It was filled with imperfect people, the same as we have today. And so I find, I find continuity there. And to me, it's very encouraging. I think when I was younger, I used to think about the early church and the book of Acts and all the miracles and the different things. But then when I look at the letters, I realize, wow, these leaders are talking to people who don't have it all together. Mm-hmm. And that like, man, that's it's such a peaceful and encouraging thought that, you know, they like me and like us, like we don't have everything together. And so this is why the scripture is so awesome. But in, in, in speaking of how do we react to that? Like, you know, um, we got to pray for people and we have to want them to do better. Like, as it is, um, I didn't vote for President Trump, but I want him to do well because his prosperity, I believe, leads to mine. Mm-hmm. Scripture talks about, you know, pray for those in, in power and in, in leadership so that you may live peaceful and quiet life. Um, and then uh, that doesn't mean we have to pray that we get all of our stuff, you know, taken care of. I feel like it's kind of like if, if Christians gain things in the culture, that to some extent and this is this is a, a hard concept if Christians gain things in the culture and the things that we gain in American culture take away from the freedoms of others is that ultimately a gain for us mm-hmm. because you know I, I think it you know to some extent it'll it'll help make society look better but one thing I like to tell people is that sin always figures out a way to manifest, you know, however, it's, it's insidious like that. It, you know, when it realizes, oh, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> All right, let me go covert. <laughs> let yeah. me go under the radar. <laughs> and then when I find another way to pop up, here I am. You thought I was gone, huh? That's what you thought. Couldn't get rid of me. And so I think we'll find that in American society that as we constrain one thing, something else will pop up. We constrain one thing, a different thing will come up because that's how sin is. And uh, I am all for holiness. I believe that within the church, within our personal lives, uh, and even as we engage with secular society uh, as Christians, that we need to model and exemplify and uphold the standard of holiness. I just, I don't see in the New Testament necessarily where uh, I have a responsibility to do that in the way that I vote. Mm -hmm. I think I have the freedom to do that in the way that I vote. But um, I don't know. I. And I think this may be heavily counter to what a lot of people think. And it's, you know, it's, it's a sobering thought, but I think maybe the way that culture is trending right now, that this is the best place for the gospel. Because it's a place where we, we will likely experience more persecution. Mm-hmm. But uh, remember in the past when God used persecution to catalyze the church, remember um, in uh the book of Acts, I believe it was Acts chapter 8, when the first persecution broke out, um, broke out when Stephen was stoned and the church was scattered. Because remember, uh, initially he had told them, you know, I want you to go into all the earth preaching the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. Um, and what did they do? They stayed in Jerusalem. 
because uh, they were, you know, having a good old time. And maybe it was God's providence that they shouldn't have left yet. But when he got them to leave, it, was, it wasn't it was enduring persecution that broke out. And um, when you look at the history of the church, the early church, after seasons of persecution, um, many people experienced blessing. Not only say many people experienced blessing, but the gospel uh, was able to penetrate into different areas of the society in which they lived. And then it was able to, uh, the gospel was able to spread and the church was able to grow. And, uh, but I, I, I look back historically, I think this is something that I, that I can say. I believe that historians, I mean, that Christians should vote. Um, you know, vote, use your, use your, the freedom that you have in America to exercise the things that you believe in. That's cool. I know everything that I say, I mean, it may kind of seem counter that I just, I just think that we should have the freedom to do it. I don't think we, we, we have, we should be uh forced to do it by people by people's opinions because if the bible doesn't tell us to do it do every look do everything the bible tells you to do <laughs> straight up you know and then <laughs> yeah do everything the bible tells you to do and then with other things uh live in freedom and honor the things in the bible but you know but i will say that um I think it's really like when we look at the history of the church when we look at the dark ages of the church and we think about even after um, Christianity became the official religion in Rome mm-hmm. think about how Christianity became perverted and think about how it became corrupted when when we were in in heavy positions of power mm-hmm. think about in the middle ages the way that, that the church um, exploited their power and their connection to, to government and society. Um, I, I think it's a slippery slope when we participate in that for the purpose of power. Because I believe that every time the church has obtained power within society historically, it has been perverted. And so, to me, that's the biggest thing that I fear. And I'm not, I'm not upset if Christians vote for both their values I've always voted my values I, I just you know and I like I said Ryan I talk a lot of stuff but I'm like and this is just stuff that I think about you know I'm not just and on issues like this I'm not gonna say oh it's 100% clear cut and I'm like I'm trying I'm wrestling with it I'm wrestling with my convictions I'm wrestling with my values I'm wrestling I'm looking at scripture I'm wrestling you know and there's more that I'm gonna learn I don't know everything but this is the point this is, you know where I am on my on my journey of understanding um and you know even in my life i believe that in the future i'll likely you know be more heavily involved in the political landscape will i run for office i don't want to ever in my life will <laughs> i have in, will i have influence in different areas maybe you know maybe god will give me influence in, in particular areas i'm seeing some of that manifest now um but what will i do with that power you know will it become a vanity to me Will it become something that I want to maintain at all costs? You know, that's I'm I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid of that for me personally. I'm afraid of that for 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 all Christians. And uh, I think it, we could use a little dose of uh, persecution. I think it'll make us a little bit healthier. I think it'll mature us a little bit more. I think it'll catalyze the spread of the gospel once again. So, you know, I, all my hopes are not in the power of the politics but regardless of who comes into power whether it's you know uh trump and pence whether it's harris biden you know my hope is in the sovereign power and and, and the providence of god and i will vote and we i will pray for each and every one of my leaders 
that it may be it go well with me that I might lead a peaceful and quiet life in all godliness and holiness. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I, I appreciate what you said. You definitely hit the nail on the head. And I was thinking it. And if you didn't say it, I would have said it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't give you time to say anything. Right? <laughs> no, that, that, all, I soaked up all the time. That, that is okay. Um, like I said, this is more of an interview style, you know, episode anyways. Uh, so it was, it was definitely a lot more about you than me. My listeners will hear from me some other time. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, what you said about God's sovereignty, you know, like the, the sovereignty of God, the providence of God, like it doesn't matter who's in office. Like I'm more concerned about who's on the throne. You know what I mean? I'm more concerned about, you know, who holds my life in their hand ultimately. It's not Harris or Biden or Trump or anything. Uh it's it's you know it's god and right. entrusting him not only with my own life uh in this country in this situation in this political climate but even trusting him with whoever uh takes office whoever's in the oval um and, that, and that's where i'm at I, I do have one last question for you and then we'll probably wrap it up from there so you were talking about you know exercising your freedom to either vote or not vote and and i'm i'm with you on that um, and you hear people say that the, the, the rebuttal, the, the most common rebuttal is, oh, well, if you're not going to vote, then, you know, you, you have no opinion. You, sh- you shouldn't have anything to say. You shouldn't have <laughs> okay. what, yeah. what do you What do you say to people who think like that? Well, it's a, it's a, it, it's a myopic perspective. Uh, mm-hmm. Just because someone doesn't agree with you, oh, I'm not going to listen to you because you don't agree with me. It didn't, you know, we, we try to scare people like that, but... Um, I, if I choose not to vote on something, it's because I've really thought heavily about it. Cannot accuse me of not voting because I'm ignorant and have no opinion. Um, you have to understand if I choose not to vote, it's because I have weighed very heavily my options. And because I can't capitulate to any option, then I choose to exercise my right to not do anything at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I man, I think back to, uh, I think probably... I could be wrong, but one of the only democratic moments that I can recall in scripture, there may be some other moments, you know, besides you, it just popped in my head too. Um, when they, when they had Jesus and Barabbas and they were like, who do you want? And they, everybody told, give us Barabbas. Dang, that's cold blooded. (laughs) Democracy at work, right? But of course there was no, look, there was no, um, electoral college in that one. Nope. Jesus, Jesus might have made it if there was an electoral college. Man, he might have been able to get the swings, the swing sections, you know, yeah. <laughs> swing areas. He might have been able to get through. But um, I think the, the probably one of the most, and and maybe I just have to be more familiar with my Bible. But remember when in the Book of Samuel, please, First Samuel, when um, the people of Israel asked God for a king. Mm-hmm. And um, they told Samuel, "Hey, Samuel, we want a king. We want a, a king to go for go forward with us in battle and go before us in battle. Uh, we want to have a king, just like all the other nations around us have a king." They got Saul. <laughs> cool. But remember how they got Saul, though. Like, remember that God gave them. He was just like, "Hey, tell okay, Samuel, go tell him what the king is gonna do." Mm-hmm. Samuel's like, the king is going to do this, and the king is going to do that, and the king is going to do this, and the king is going to do that. And so they said, cool, give us this king. And he did exactly what he said, you know, and, but he gave them an opportunity. He gave them a choice, and they exercised that choice in a, in a negative way. Because ultimately, 
they were in a theocracy. God wanted to be their king. And the only reason why they wanted a king is because they wanted to be like everybody else. <laughs> Imagine that. They forsook their sanctity to be like everybody else. And man, don't you see that in this season where God has called us to be a sanctified people? We're acting just like everybody else. Yeah. You know, we want our choice regardless of how bad he might act or what he might say. You don't care what he said. You don't even care. I don't care how he acts and I don't care what he says because he's going to give me what I want. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah that's that, church. That is wild. You know, my same friend, I talk about my friend a few times, my same <laughs> friend who called me a liar. He was like, I can't stand liars. You know, God has called me to speak up for truth. You know, as a servant of Jesus, I'm a follower of truth. And my bro, come on, bro. He might be listening to, look, bro, this is what you did. You said this. He said, when I showed him the next day, because I told him, I was like, it's not me lying if I don't intend to do it. I wasn't being deceptive. I was misinformed. And you helped to inform me. So, you know what? Now that I have this uh, documented record of President Trump telling the lie, uh, I need you to bring that same energy, bro. <laughs> bring the same exact, the same energy that you brought. And what did he do? You thought I was lying. You don't even know me. You thought I was lying. You don't know Trump either. You thought, you know, what did he do? He said, I, you know, I don't really care that much if, if President uh -oh. Trump lies. He's the president. <laughs> he said, he told me, my friend, my friend told me that he was a pastor. He was like, you know, you're a pastor, so you ought to know better. And then my other friend was like, you know what, bro? Yeah, you're a pastor and you got influence, let's say, over maybe a few thousand people, if that. President Trump has influence over millions of people you gonna hold me to a higher standard than him based on what you said that's hypocrisy in action hypocrisy in action man and so um i just and, and i'm the type of person i care about I, I care about the character of the people who who lead me right i care about that that's important to me you know and and here's the sovereignty of god in play when the people eventually you know they chose their king and then Saul was given to them as the prototypical king, head and shoulders above every person in Israel. He was prototypical king for them. He did as expected. And then when he failed, God chose a king after his own heart. And it was the grace of God and his sovereign decision um, at work. It was a grace to Israel who had forsaken their sanctity as a people governed by their king uh, from heaven. And they forsook their sanctity. But God in his grace still said, you know what, I'm going to give you a better king. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you a king that follows after my heart. And I'm going to, through that king, I'm going to preserve the heritage of this nation of Israel, this great nation that I chose and that I, that I raised up for the glory of my name. I'm going to show you grace. And, you know, I pray in this season for our nation that God would give us grace. White, black, Asian, uh, Native American, uh, I pray that God would give us all Hispanics, that God would give us all grace in our, in our, in our nation, our beautiful nation, this land of America, which I love, you know, um, man, I, I think about when I, and I, and I think that people don't get like when you, when you talk like, like me and you and you acknowledge things that America has done in the past, I, I don't hate America. Like I do love America. I think back to when I was a kid and I had to do the Pledge of Allegiance <laughs> uh, we sang the Star Spangled Banner and 
and learn about American history, um, that still intrigues me. Yeah. That, you know, that's still important to me. Um, but I just, you know, sometimes prophetic voices have to say the things that people don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. And I think that God needs, you know, a fresh wind of prophetic voices in our culture. And, uh, hey, if, if you give me a message, God, all right, cool, I'll say it. And I don't have to be, I don't have to be right. I think that's one thing too, though, that I think that comes with security. Like, I I can admit where I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm looking, I'm searching intently. I'm like, man, you know, I want to know better. But this is what I see. And, you know, prove me wrong. <laughs> Prove me wrong. I believe, you know, these are my positions. Now you you have the you have the uh burden of proving me wrong. And uh in this regard I, I think it's I think it's tough. And and now people might not agree with what I say, but you know, at least I made you think about it. Yeah. You know. You could do you can use a lot more of that in the society just in general. Yeah. And again, even even being able to disagree in civility you know about a person's character Um, and you know I appreciate what you said about uh, about God's grace like even in so they have set up this 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 structure right Uh, going back to the book of Samuel when the Israelites were asking for a king God was like I don't really want to give you a king but fine okay go go ahead give me a king and then the first king didn't work out so great then he gives them another king in his grace, like you said, gives them right. a, a better king. So even though God didn't um, didn't care for the structure that they wanted to set up in place, like he still, mm-hmm. in a way, honored it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, right, right, right. And, you know, trying of taking that principle and applying it to today and why it's important for uh, the church to honor and, and, and pray for and respect those who are in power because again we're not living in a theocracy and 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 these people may not be living for christ or anything like that but god still may want to use them in whatever way he desires and we got to be on board with that even if we don't know what it looks like even if we don't care for the individual you know what i mean like there's still i think it's a book of romans that talks about how the authorities they were appointed by god essentially all authorities under heaven have been established or appointed by god Right, right. So, like, this is so to dishonor authority is to dishonor God ultimately, you know, in in, in the grand right. things. And um, I think it, it's it's even more uh, prevalent for the believers. If you look at it through that through that lens, it's like, man, yeah. yeah. So, if, if God allowed Trump here, if God allowed Biden, wh- whoever ends up in office, yeah, man, because th- man, think about <laughs> how crazy that is, though. The how we how we can reconcile God's sovereignty over all the kingdoms of it because it's not like you know when he talks about sovereignty remember Nebuchadnezzar was like you 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 know you you give the kingdoms of the earth to those you please and you're able to to put up and you're able to cure now you know it's not like he ain't able to do that anymore because we figured out we got the for lack of a better term we got the trump card right (laughs) we figured out democracy we got god like we tricked him God can't even mess with this because this is our choice. Like, man, you don't understand how incredible the sovereignty of God is. And yeah, like there's our freedom is somehow woven into that tapestry. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even consider the fact that at the end of the day, like there's four candidates that we get to choose from, like, you know, VP and 
Let's not even forget about the vice president because, you know, but even that too, like, this is, you know, that's the sovereignty of God. We God gave us four candidates to choose from, okay? As a country, four candidates to choose from. That's sovereignty in action. I don't like any of them. So I'm going to be like, you know what, God? I mean, you know what, God? You're sovereign. And I'm going to just trust in however you work this out because I don't like any of them that I'm really looking at for various reasons. And now one Christian over here might say, you know, but but this reason, they might say, but abortion. And I'll be like, yeah, like, man, I'm, I'm with that. But then what about this over here? Mm-hmm. You know, and another person would say, but what about racism? And then I might say, uh, yeah, what about abortion? <laughs> you know, you know what about these things are, you know, it's no clear cut thing. It's it's tough. Um, man, when you consider in Black America, I think somebody gave me a statistic somewhere around like thirty million, um, thirty million abortions in Black America over a thirty year period, something like that. I think in New York, I read an article from the New York Times. I think in New York State, either New York State or New York City, probably New York State, but I could be wrong. The number of black babies born um, was less than the number of black babies who were aborted in that year. So there's more babies being killed in uh, New York than are being born. More black babies. If if that doesn't bother you, because <laughs> of your political preference, yeah, and that just show that just shows uh, if that doesn't bother you, like, ooh, that's ooh, that's that's tough, bro. Like, yeah, let it let it bother you. You can still disagree, and you can still maintain your positions. I just need to know that that really bothers you. That that really is something that vexes you in your spirit to be like, oh my god, all these babies dying, like, you know. And then I say, what's so funny is like, man. You know, the Democratic Party, they champion abortion. But then they, you know, black people think, oh, yeah, we, we won't Democrat. I'm like, ha, 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 you hear this. <laughs> you know what? Guess what? Guess, guess what has happened? This is the other thing the Democratic Party has supported for a generation. And because of their support of this for a generation, um, black people who are disproportionately impacted by poverty and, um, Poverty heavily impacts and correlates to uh, abortion. Black people are overrepresented. Black women especially overrepresented from a a perspective of poverty and from a perspective of abortion. And um, the, uh, so look, the overrepresentation, I think, is a result of America's inequality within its system and from its foundation, as we mentioned before. That's something that's laid at America's feet. And God is saying, America, what are you going to do? Right. Look, I'm I'm showing you that there's problems that that you that you need to come together and figure out a way to address uh, and to help with that because you're the ones that put them in this position. Yeah, they made decisions to perpetuate uh, generationally, but man, you you have some responsibility and you ain't never paid for that. Mm-hmm. You paid for you paid for other wrongs that you've done, but you have never paid for that. And then, so yeah, okay. So on the one hand, uh, American, and then so then now the Republicans are saying, no, we. We don't, we don't, there is no racism. There's, there's no systemic injustice. There's no this. We don't need to, to train people about, you know, uh, uh, racism and, and, and equality. We don't need to do that. So that's how you're going to play it. All right. So we've disproportionately represented in this group. Mm-hmm. The Republicans are like, nah, that's, you've got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That's, that's on you. Get off welfare. This is what we're doing Republican things. This is, get off welfare. Get off welfare. Yeah. You can do it. I, I did it. 
I did it. You could do it too. Oh, for real? If you walk the day in my shoes? Oh, sure, okay. <laughs> but so it's, it's, it's such a, oh my God, it's just so, it's such a selfish idea to think that, that your trauma um, and you're not black equates to the trauma of an entire group of people who were abused, raped, tortured, um, killed. I mean, just go down a list of all the things that happened to us for generations. And then you say you're free, everything is equal now, and if you can't pull yourself up, that's what you get. And that's wicked. Yeah. That's just a wicked mindset. That is. Look at it. Read, read the whole Old Testament. Just read the parts where God is in Amos, in Isaiah, and all the different scriptures where he's chastising these people because they refuse to look out for the disadvantaged, especially when they had a role in doing that, when our country had a role in putting Black America in a position that, is, that it's in. Come on, just take responsibility and then let's work together to move forward. Let's bring some ideas to the table. Let's put some things in place. And then you can say, hey, we did everything we could. Now it's on you. I'll take that. Cool. You know, figure out, figure out some way to atone for it instead of just saying it's not a problem anymore. And that's wicked when I think about it, you know. And so over here, on the one hand, you have um, abortion rights activists on standing on the Democratic side. And black people, we standing over there with them. Yeah, we are Democratic. But man, don't you know that this is one of the reasons why we're uh, becoming a declining ethnic group? Yeah. That our babies are dying in the ma in mass and we're shrinking our political power the little bit that we already flex. We didn't flex a lot, but our political power is dwindling. I mean, consider the fact that too, all right, 60% of our males are either dead in jail or in prison, right? Wow, okay. We're overrepresented within the prison within the prison system. Our babies are getting killed. Come on, man. Think about that. Like, it, 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 so to me, it's that's crazy. That is crazy. It's just like, we can just be gung-ho for Democrats and they're one of the reasons why this system has perpetuated and our babies are getting killed like crazy. That's wild, bro. That is wild. And so this is one of the things I tell you, like I, I just, I'm stuck in the middle and I'm okay being there because I don't agree with everything over there. I don't agree with everything over here. I'll be safely in the middle. I'll take a moderate position because I believe that the Bible preaches moderation. And so I'm going to stay right here in the middle and y'all can fight if you want to. But no, you, you ain't going to see me. I will have a good discussion and debate with you. But nah, I'm good. Yeah. It was, it was interesting about what you said there is like being in the middle is a lot of people will vote based on a single principle or a single policy because this person, uh, whatever their position is and the policies they're trying to enforce, like using abortion as an example. Like, mm -hmm. oh, well, I'm voting for this person because, you know, they're pro-life or pro-choice or whatever it is, right? Right, right. But, but we'll ignore <laughs> other policy right. positions that they have on right. other things. And it's like, well, I feel like as a Christian, as a, I'm, not, I'm not talking about the world, but as a believer, like that, that should be conflicting. And I like the idea of what you said about kind of being in the middle. Like me personally, I'm not a Democrat or Republican. Like I'm, I'm independent. Yeah. I'll just say it. I'm independent right. because I feel like both parties or, or a number of parties um, hold to positions and, and policies that I do agree with as well as disagree with. And for the belief, right. I think the challenge is because you talk about consistency, right? Like we want to be consistent mm -hmm. in terms of not just our doctrine, but also the way that we live. So if we're not 
if, if we're not for one part of scripture and it, it, ignoring while ignoring another part of scripture, if we don't if we don't live that way, we certainly can't vote that way either. You know what oh, I mean? That's a good point. Yeah. It, it's almost hypocritical to do that, but that's what we see a lot of the church doing right now. Um, so yeah. for friend, you were talking about how he was like, he's like, yeah, I, I hate liars and, you know, people, people, you know, keep lying on Trump and this and that. And, you know, he stands with him for this one thing, but then when Trump, but then ignored when Trump was dishonest, it's like, okay, so right. leaving dishonesty, do you champion that or, or, or not? Right, right. <clears throat> um, so yeah, so for the Christians, like, I, and one of the reasons why I asked you that, just because I, I have my own perspective, but I wanted to get yours. The question that I asked earlier, as far as like, how should we vote? And it's like, man, you vote as as close to your biblical principles and convictions as you possibly can, <laughs> you know? And, yeah. and and when you don't see that, guess what? I'm not voting. <laughs> if you don't know what, if you don't know what to do, just don't, you know, just don't do it. But you just vote. Yeah, just go out there and just vote. Get your feet wet. It's like, uh, what? No. Like, nah. I, and I think, I think as you mentioned, though, if you, because, hey, if, if somebody wants to be a single issue voter, that's the freedom that they have. Mm-hmm. But like you said, if, if somebody like, if we tell people, hey, go vote your values, man, when you, when you lay all the values out that we see that scripture cares about, you're gonna have a you're gonna have a difficult decision if you're if you're if you're doing an an honest look, you know. I I, I think that I think that if you're gonna put it on a scale, I I would put likely like Republican values uh, on on a scale, right? I would put it on a scale, and I would say you know what if we're gonna scale it, then I think I think that I think the thing goes to the Republicans. Mm-hmm. I don't I just don't like scale it because I feel like the Republicans are missing like there's a little bit there's a little bit of substance there on the other side and why can't you just acknowledge some of the substance there and then then you are I feel like as a voter you have to earn my vote like there ain't no you know if I don't like you then I gotta vote for them no you both sides you both will earn you both will earn my vote and the bible doesn't tell me that I can't do that and so I think it's fair to say if the uh, person on the left doesn't earn my vote, person on the right doesn't earn my vote, then hmm. <laughs> but I will say the one thing that um, that gives me pause, you know, besides the fact that, you know, at, at the debate, I remember when President Trump was asked about, you know, will you condemn hate groups? And then he was like, sure. But he said, you know, he said it so quietly. He was like, you're watching, you, you would miss it. And then he doubled down and he's like, sure. And then he, you know, he changed the subject. He said, yeah, but most of what I see is coming from the left. Mm-hmm. You know, however, you know, I watched a very entertaining video of President Trump condemning hate groups over and over again whenever they offered their support. I disavow. I disavow. I disavow. Okay. It was a disavow video and it was hilarious. I loved it. It was it was hilarious. And I, I actually enjoyed how he was doing it. I was like, all right, I like this. What? Hey, hey, hey. I disavow. David okay. Duke. I disavow. Uh, who support? Nope. I disavow. I don't want their support. I disavow. It's a trip. And then I'm, and then I'm like wondering though, why do these, I'm like, why do these KKK groups or just like, why do these um, groups continue to try to offer their support to him? What is it that they see in him that they really like? Maybe it's not him in, in general. Um, you know, I don't know. And, and, and I'm not so quick to label. I don't like to throw out labels. So I'm not so quick to label Trump uh, as a racist. 
Matter of fact, let me respect President Trump, okay? I'm not so quick to necessarily label him as a racist just because he doesn't agree with or believe all the things that I do. Um, I'm not so quick to do that. I'm not going to label him as a racist just because he's white and he's rich because I don't believe that all rich white people are racist. I, I don't. I don't believe that. I know a handful, I know quite a few rich white people. <laughs> I like most, you know, I, I you know, it's, it's cool with me, you know. I don't know if that level of, of, of wealth gives you, like, automatically makes you racist, you know. It may make you uh, myopic in some areas, but I don't think it makes you racist. So I don't know, per se, that Trump is, is, is racist. Um, does, do racist people like him? Yeah, they like him, which is crazy to me, so... That, you know, that gives me pause. But the biggest thing for me is with the issue of the election and how um, he said that if the election was close, he would, uh, he, he, he refused to concede power peacefully. I, I didn't like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that. I, I felt that that was Some tyranny there. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that was, uh, that gave me a lot of pause. A lot of pause, and and it's and it's almost as if like you know you're not going to trust the election process. I'm like when you were elected, there was all kind of stuff that was said to have gone down, and like that's real. You're being real hypocritical right there. Mm-hmm. You know you trusted the election when you got in, but when it kicked you out, you're not going to trust it. And I, I mm, that's that's scary for me. Yeah. That that scares me. Yeah. Oh, at the end of the. At the end of the day, I'm like, you know, God is sovereign, so I, you know, whatever. God is in control. I'm not scared of these people. But man, that's just, I didn't like that. That that really, that stood out to me. That he refused to say, you know what, if if I lose, then I lose. I, I didn't like that. Yeah. yeah. That so so that so that becomes a huge issue for me uh, now, and and I don't know, I don't know how I'm going to respond to that. I don't know how I'm going to respond. Will I will will I vote Democrat? Will I vote Democrat? Because um, I, I'm afraid that Trump is kind of a dictator. <laughs> uh, perhaps if if I feel like he threatens the democratic process, and if I feel like he's a huge threat to the democratic process, because of that, you know I might I got the freedom to do it. I could do it if I want to, right? Mm-hmm. As a Christian, if I feel like that, you know, like ooh, whoa, whoa, whoa hey, hang on, buddy. <laughs> hey, well, slow down, dude. Like, I, first of all, I already don't like politics as it is. And then you're going to say that? Oh, oh, come on, man. Don't make it easy for me. <laughs> right. So, you know, I, I just find that there are so many things that I'm concerned about. And maybe maybe I just think too hard. Maybe I just think too much. Maybe I just have too many things going on in my head. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with, with sitting back and just thinking about everything and seeing connections. Because at the very least, maybe what I can do is help other people begin to see more sides to the issue and then and then gain clarity and gain perspective from that i'm okay with that dope well um i'm gonna conclude with that uh appreciate you coming on this episode and just sharing all your thoughts and your your perspective um you know like i told you in the text you know you're somebody that i highly respect and uh you know just your your general perspective, your 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 doctrine, your theology, you know, I, I glean a lot from you. And I'm sure that appreciate that. It, you know, everybody who tunes in, um, they'll they'll be blessed by a lot a lot of what you said, be it controversial or whatever the case. 
<laughs> I'm all I'm all filled with controversy, right? Yeah. It, 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 and let me and let me say this: it's, I don't I don't if I say anything that would be considered controversial, I don't I don't do it to be controversial. I'm not like a uh, what do we call that? I'm not a sensationalist. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in in creating sensationalism with statements and different things. I like to say profound statements, but I don't like to sensationalize things. Um, I just you know I'm just being honest about the thing that I'm thinking about and I, res- I I appreciate everyone and I appreciate you Ryan for welcoming me in and I appreciate everyone for listening and whether you agree or disagree um, I pray that you at least heard what I said and um, and feel free to disagree it's okay <laughs> it is it, it, definitely okay um, I, I am like you and like all of us hopefully I'm you know I'm, I'm trying my best to figure out how to be a Christian in this secular society while not trusting in the secular society to make me a better Christian. Right. Yeah. Right. Well said. Well said. Like you said, he's not trying to be a contrarian. <laughs> <laughs> um, so definitely want to, you know, take this time for any of my listeners. Uh, I'd like to give you an opportunity to know Christ for yourself. Uh, this is definitely a Christian podcast and, um, you know, be it called Bridging the Gap, that's... Um, that is the goal of pretty much every episode that I put out. So uh, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. If you, if God has been tugging on your heart, if you've been seeking him, if he's been drawing you, um, I'll give you an opportunity now to know him for yourself. Just pray this prayer with me. Um, Father, I come to you knowing that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. I believe that he died on a cross for my sins. And I believe that he rose again three days later to live so that I may live with him. I ask you into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. And I follow you all the days of my life in Jesus name. Um, yeah, if you prayed that prayer, you are now a part of the kingdom of God and um, all of heaven rejoices over you. And, you know, I'm just praying and, and encouraging you in your walk and that you would find a healthy body of believers um, <laughs> somewhere <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and where you guys can grow together and do life together. Um, and yeah, so with that said, that wraps up this episode of Bridging the Gap. If you enjoyed what you heard, do subscribe. Um, You can find this podcast pretty much on all the major ones. I mean, you know, you have Anchor, uh, Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, Google. Um, So yeah, thank you for tuning in. And I pray that you will join us next time. God bless.